Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Amen. Hey, listen, just, uh, man, is there anybody in the house who believes we can actually do this? Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, man. Praise God, man. This is exciting. I don't know about you, but I am juiced. Today is day one of our two-year Forward in Faith campaign. I am so thankful for all the commitment cards and your generosity. Uh, this morning, we're going to kick off uh, the week one of a four-week study And one of the main goals that we have is to help every single person take a step forward in faith. If I could put a tagline on this series to kind of tell you where I'm going in a sentence, it would be kind of like this. I want people to express their faith in God and experience his faithfulness. When you express your faith and you trust God and do what he's asked you to do, you are going to see his faithfulness to you. I wonder this morning, have you ever heard, maybe this is a throwback to a day ago, but have you ever heard the saying, it's all about the Benjamins? Got anybody in the room? I got four. All right. Praise God. Well, if you don't know what that is, that's slang for money talk. You may hear it like this in our modern language in some of the rap songs that are out there, but it's all about that paper. It's all about making that paper. Well, today, money, as you may know, it's a more popular term today. It's called bling. (laughs) It's all about that bling, baby. It's all about that bling. Well, you know what? Bling, if you don't know, bling refers to the imaginary sound that is produced from the light reflected by a diamond. So I'm kind of simple, right? I'm from the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia. I like to keep it simple. I don't care what you call it. You can call it paper, the Benjamins, bling. I just call it stuff. I mean, it's just stuff, right? Stuff is what many people long for. Some even steal, and even some would even kill for. Some people sell their souls for stuff. You and I, we all have stuff, right? We want it. We see it. We buy it. We put it on display. We measure our worth by it, our self-worth by it. We buy our houses and fill them with it. When you move, have you ever noticed how much stuff you have? You know, a comedian once said that a house is really just a pile of stuff with a cover on top. And if you don't have room in your house for all your stuff, you have to rent a place to store it somewhere else. Did you know that in the United States of America, there are more than 30,000 self-storage facilities They offer a billion square feet for people just to store stuff. The U.S. economy, we spend over $12 billion a year just to store our stuff. For some, the focus of their life is getting more and more stuff just to leave it behind for your kids to fight over or for a stranger to take over. You know this, right, that marriage is in because of stuff. You know that sometimes children are neglected because parents would rather have stuff. So then this morning, let's talk about that paper. Let's talk about them Benjamins. Let's let's talk about that bling if you want to. Let's talk about stuff. 
So yeah, really what I'm talking about is I'm going to be talking about money. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Some would say that's not what the pastor should be doing. But listen, can I just remind you that Jesus talked more about money than he talked about any other thing in the Bible? Did you know that the Bible has more to say about money than it does about prayer? So then if I really take my Bible as I do as my guide, then probably I should talk more about money, not less about it. You see, the truth is that God is not passionate about dollars. He's passionate about disciples. And God knows that money is one of the primary tools that he would use to expose our hearts that let us know where we're at in relationship with him. So the Bible has so much to say about it. How you see money, how you use it, how you handle money will determine far more than what just happens in this life. It'll also determine some things in the next life. I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago, an advertising plan went into effect, and the plan cost the company that put this plan into place, it cost them $5.4 million in one month. It cost the company $285 million in one year. And this advertising plan, once it went into place, raised consumer awareness of its brand by 98%. And just three years later, over 48 million customers were now using the product. It asked one simple question. I'm sure you've heard it. Here's the question. What's in your wallet? Such a great question. And I'd like to ask it now. Matter of fact, if you've got your wallet with you, why don't you go ahead and do it? I mean, this is my wallet. I got it in my phone. I want you to take it out if you want to. I mean, you can just humor me. Take it out and just do this with me. I really want you to do this. I want you to look inside your wallet. I got some, some money over here, some credit cards, some bank cards. I got all kinds of stuff in here. And I wonder, really ask yourself, what's in your wallet? Now, believe it or not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to just dumbfound you. But every single one of us have exactly the same thing in our wallets. We all have exactly the same thing in our wallets. And I'm going to tell you what that is in a few minutes. For now, I want you to take your Bibles, though. And I want you to open them to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And we're going to talk about this stuff in our wallets today. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. If you've got a copy of God's Word, open that bad boy up. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 18. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, there's one in the seat pockets there underneath those chairs around you. It's going to be on the screen, hopefully, behind me. But out of disrespect for the honoring of reading of God's Word, I wonder if you'd stand to your feet as we read 1 Chronicles chapter 29. The Bible says this, Then King David said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom God alone has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the temple is not for man, but for who, church? The Lord God. Now, with all my ability, I provided for the house of my God, for the gold, for the things of gold, and silver for the things of silver, and bronze for the things of bronze, and iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx stones, and inlaid stones, stones of antimony, and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones, and alabaster in abundance. Over in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. 
namely 3,000 talents of gold, the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the buildings, and of gold for the things of gold, and silver for the things of silver, that is, for all the work done by the craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? Then the rulers of the father's households and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the commanders of thousands and of hundreds and the overseers of the king's work offered willingly. And for the service of the house of God, they gave 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold and 10,000 talents of silver and 18 talents of brass and 100,000 talents of iron. Whoever possessed precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord and the care of Jehiel the, the Gershonite. And the people rejoiced because they had offered so willingly, for they made their offering to the Lord with a whole heart, and King David also rejoiced greatly. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord God of our Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor, they come from you. And you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone thou there. Therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners before you in tenants and as our fathers were. Our days on earth are like a shadow and there is no hope. Oh, Lord, our God, all this abundance we have provided to build a, your, you a house for your holy name. It is from your hand and it's all yours. Since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness. I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. Oh, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people and direct their heart to you. Would you pray, oh God, that is our prayer, that our hearts would be directed to you that we would give this all back to you, that we would know that this is all for you and to you and through you. This is all you, Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You see, this chapter is about an incredible event. It's about an event that's never happened before or since. In 1 Chronicles 29, David is the king of Israel. And because of God's blessing upon, upon David and Israel, Israel was a superpower, and David was really the wealthiest man alive. That being the case, there was a problem that really began to bother David. David lived in an amazing, ornate, beautiful palace, but yet the people of God worshiped God in a tent. And David believed that God deserved more than a tent for a beautiful place to worship in, and David wanted to build this incredible place for God. But God, however, in his sovereign will and purpose, did not want David to build his house. He wanted his son Solomon to build it. And David then said with a kingdom-minded heart, well, hey, if I can't build it, then I'll just buy it. And so David gave and raised the money for it all. You see there in verses 2 and 3, David says, hey, with my ability, I have provided all this stuff. Moreover, in verse 3, out of the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to God. But you see, you've got to understand, David was not just trying to, to raise money for a building program or a capital campaign. 
He wasn't just building a building for the sake of having another building. Because back in verse 1, David tells us this, this, this alone. He says there at the end of verse 1, he says, For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. You see, just like with David, these buildings that you and I are in now and will be over in those soon, we know that this property, these buildings, that all this land, it's not for you and it's not for me. This property is not meant to be a monument to me, to the people who give it, to the people who've built it, or for anybody else. This is all for who, church? It's all for King Jesus, isn't it? This land, these buildings, every single solitary grain of sand, everything is for the glory of our God. And knowing this, David leads the way in raising the money for this project. David, noticed wasn't just giving out of the royal treasury, but David gave out of his own pocket. It has been calculated that when David said he gave and all those 10,000 this and 100,000 that, can, just I want you to think about this, but David himself and modern dollars, the value of David gifts alone just in the silver he gave was $450 million. And then in the gold that he gave, it was $17 billion. Then something incredible happens. An avalanche of giving happens, and the greatest single offering in one day was given. Now, wouldn't that be awesome? Like, what if today, like, the people who count the money, tomorrow morning, I get this news flash that says, hey, we didn't raise 1.2, we raised 11.2. And that would be crazy. That would be awesome, right? The Bible says that the people gave willingly and from their whole hearts, but how did this happen? I mean, how does it ever happen that the people give willingly, that there's no pressure tactics? How do we do that? What happens when everybody knows one simple thing, and that's this, that God owns it all anyway. I mean, after David and the people gave this unbelievable offering, David offers up one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. And from this prayer, if we look at the truths contained in it, we're going to understand the master of faithful finances and be led to give willingly from our whole hearts. Here's the first thing I want you to see that we learned today, and that is, I've already said it, but I'm going to say it again. God owns it all. God owns it all, guys. He possesses it all. Verse 10 and 11, look in your Bibles. Look in your Bibles. See what the Word of God says again. Verse 10, the Bible says this, First Chronicles 29, verse 10. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, blessed are you, O Lord God, Israel our Father, forever and ever. Yours Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, power, glory, victory, majesty. Indeed, everything is in the heavens and the earth. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself over all. The king of the most powerful nation in the world recognized this, that the kingdom belongs not to the king, but to the king of kings. He knows where the real throne is and the real king who sits on it. Now listen to me. Too many times in our lives... We think that the world revolves around us and our little kingdom. We have an attitude that often says, look what I built or look what I bought. Beloved, can I, can I get you to just say this with me? Say it with me out loud. God owns it all. Would you just say that? God owns it all. I read this story the other day about Lyndon Johnson. He used to be one of our presidents of the United States. And during his presidency, he, he was taken out to the tarmac where he was going to get on a, a helicopter and fly to Camp David. When they got to the helicopter, there was this young corporal there. And this young corporal just wanted to be polite to the president. He looked over and said, uh, President Johnson, I just want you to know 
uh, that out of all these 50 helicopters, any one of them you can pick, you can take it. He said, young man, you're exactly right because all 50 of those helicopters do indeed belong to me. And I want you to know this. All the stuff in the entire world belongs to King Jesus. Everything that you and I see, your clothes that you are wearing right now, they belong to the Lord. Your house, your vehicles, your electronic devices, your stocks, your bonds, your kids, your musical equipment, your investments, your real estate, your golf clubs, your guns, your animals, everything you can think of, God owns it all. So remember the question I asked you earlier? Remember we took out our wallets and I said, hey, what's in your wallet? And I told you that everybody in here has the exact same thing in their wallet. Remember I told you that? I'm going to tell you what that is, but before I do, I want you to read this with me, Haggai verse two, chapter 2, verse 8. It says this, the silver is whose? And the gold is what? It's mine, declares the Lord of hosts. So here, let me just tell you, what's in everybody's wallet? We all have the exact same thing in it. You know what it is? It's God's money. (laughs) We all have God's money in our wallet. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. And listen to me, when you and I realize that it's all God's, it moves us to give willingly to God with our our whole heart. Why? Because it's all God's, and if it's all God's, then I don't have to worry about if I give it to God, whether or not he'll provide for me. Because it's not mine. Contentment, satisfaction, and giving flow from a heart that knows God owns it all anyway. He is the faithful money master. But not only does God own it all, secondly this, God offers it all. Not only does he possess it all, but God offers it and he provides it all. This prayer that David begins to pray continues, and he says in verse 12, the first part, he says, both riches and honor come from you. He says, God, you own it. Then then the second part of that, he says, and you rule over all. So God owns it all. God controls it all. And then he says, and in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now God provides it all. And then because that's true, well, then David can only find one proper solution to that, one proper response to that. Verse 13, he says, now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your name. And that is really what this offering really is. It's an act of worship. We're really not so much raising money as we are raising our praise to our king. David prays this prayer and it dawns on him where this amazing offering really came from. Verse 14, he says, but who am I, my people, that we should be able to offer as generous as this, for all things have come from you, and from your hand we have given you. Do you see that? So let's just put this all together just for for logical thinkers out there. God owns it and possesses it all. God offers it and provides it all. So when you and I give, we're just giving back to God what's already his. At this point, though, if, if I've been doing this long enough, and I have, here's what I know somebody in the, the audience or maybe driving by on 71 headed somewhere today may be asking or thinking. I'm not following you here, preacher. God hasn't given me anything. What I have, I've worked for. I've earned what I have. I've saved up for what I've had. I built it with my own blood, sweat, and tears. I bought everything I see with my own money. Listen, I understand how you get there. I really do. 
But I'm not interested in opinions, I'm interested in facts. Can I just tell you what the fact of the matter is? You want the fact, Jack? <laughs> you know? Here's the fact. Deuteronomy 8.18 says it this way. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Who, who is it that gives us the power to get wealth? Let me say that differently. It ain't you and me who's doing that. So somebody would say, well, I did it with my own skills. Well, then who gave you those skills? Who gave you the mental capacity? Who gave you the health to do it? Who gives you the physical strength to do it? Well, I built my house by my own two hands. Well, whose trees did you use? Whose land are you really on? It didn't belong to the Indians. It belonged to God first. God has made us all unique. And listen to me, beloved. I know that we all have different abilities to earn money. Some people can just do it better than others. Some people in this church, facts are just facts. Some people in our church are gifted at making money. And I say, praise God. You got time for lunch today, by the way? But anyway. I mean, that's just really why some people can write best-selling books and other people can't even write a book report, right? That's why some people can paint like masterpieces. Some people can design these engineering wonders. They develop amazing businesses, but please know that no matter how smart anybody is, it really all comes from God. Listen to me, let's, let's just think this again. God owns it all, he possesses it all. God offers it all and he provides it. But here's the question that we're really gotta dig down into and get at, and that's this. Then why does he do that? What is the purpose behind God providing it and giving it out there? Well, thanks for asking that because that's how we're gonna end today. But before I get there, I just want you to think with me. Put on your, your imagination and let's just pretend that you have something very, very, very important and you want to give it to somebody else who really, really needs it. So you've got this important item and, and you wanna give it to somebody who really needs it. So you wrap it up and you take it and give it to this guy from, from FedEx. And you just, you're kind of there, you've given it to him. Now, let me, let me help you think. What would you think of this dude from FedEx if instead of delivering the package to the person that you wanted to have it, that had the great need, what if this FedEx worker took it home, opened it, and kept it for himself? Well, I know that this is an open carry state. And you probably got some ideas in mind. But you'd probably be like, what is this? who does this guy think he is? That package does not belong to him. He was just the delivery boy, Right? I gave him the package so he could take it to the person that I wanted to have it. Let me just tell you here, friends, just because God's given you something doesn't mean that you're supposed to take it home, open it, and keep it. Because usually what God's given you, he wants you to give it so that somebody else can have it because that's how God often works. Because that leads us to our, our last point. And God, may, he owns it all. And he possesses it, right? He, he offers it all. He provides it. But thirdly, we oversee it all. We just present it. Verse 17, the Bible says this, since I know, oh my God, that you try the heart. 
You try the heart and delight in uprightness. I and the integrity of my heart have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy, I've seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. They, they willingly offered those things. What things are they giving? I mean, what are the things that they willingly offer? What are the things that you willingly put into play today? What are the things that you are committed to giving over this two years? Can I just tell you? They're the things that God owns and offers. And all you and I are doing is just overseeing that that happens. Let's look just a little deeper and see what really is going on that causes this willingness to happen. Verse 17, David says that you try the heart. It's almost like in the middle of his prayer, David gets it. He says, oh, I see money is really a test. The way that I see it, spend it, save it, sacrifice, send it forward. It's all really a test. Money in and of itself is morally neutral. It's neither good nor bad. But you and I oversee it. We manage it. Another word is we steward it. Our stuff, our bling becomes a test of where we're at spiritually and where our priorities really are. God is not interested in how much money you make. But you and I will be accountable for how we oversaw all that we did make. Here's the truth. Listen carefully. God trusts us with what he offers to see if we will trust him in the way we oversee it. God trusts us with what he offers to see if we'll trust him in the way we oversee what he's already offered. Here's where we started today. We want people then to express their faith in God And when you do, you will experience his faithfulness. What is the number one job of the person who oversees things, the person who manages things? Well, it's just one thing. The overseer, the manager, uses what the owner offers to achieve the owner's goal for the owner's glory. I have a money manager who handles some of my retirement funds. And I just want you to know that their job is really to oversee that that my money achieves my goals. I would be stupid to use a money manager who told me that he was gonna use my money for his goals. Right, I mean, that's just dumb. God does not offer us what we have to use it for how we see fit. We're not, God hasn't offered this for us to, to meet our goals. God has offered this to us to achieve his goals. We're to oversee this stuff for his glory and his good. And all that we have covered this morning will not be put into practice if you really truly don't believe from the very set out that God really does own it all. He really is the faithful money master. You see, if you don't believe that God really owns it all, let me just ask you a question and we can chat after this is over if you disagree. But listen to me, what is one thing that you will own after you die? Nothing. After you die, every single penny will be in somebody else's bank account. Every single thing that you own will be in somebody else's name. We do not own anything. God wants us to do the same thing with our money that a faithful money manager would do, and that's invest it wisely. And the best thing that you and I can invest our money into is the kingdom of God. Did you know that? 
It's the kingdom of God. So listen to me. These buildings, the chairs that you're in, the new stuff that will be over there, anything and everything that you see, is if you give, would be an investment in the kingdom of God. It will be an investment into a church that's helping people to do this, embrace great commandment love, which fuels great commission living. You will be investing in helping provide a place for people to belong, a path for them to become, and an opportunity for people to believe in the life-changing gospel of Jesus. And when that happens, the kingdom grows, and so does the glory of God. What would happen this morning if we really, truly believed that God owned all of it? You see, if we did that, we would constantly be thinking of ways to use what we have to fulfill the mission of God's church on planet Earth. You and I would be thinking of ways constantly to help people in the Grange and around the world. We could multiply our influence for Christ. We could finally be free from the bondage to bling. So one more time, humor me. Take out your wallet. I want you just to kind of repeat after me. God, you own it. God, you offer it. And God, I oversee it. Jeremy, I wonder if you guys would come. Now, the question I really all want us to deal with this morning here at this altar or there in those chairs it's today really just to dig deep down in your heart and ask this question, God, how can I best use what you own and what you've offered? How can I best use that for your glory? In other words, the question we're really trying to get it to is this, God, what do you want me to freely give back to you with all my heart? Because I've got a feeling that some of us are giving not with our whole heart. And some of us are not giving willingly. We're giving out of pressure. I've intentionally led this campaign to take the pressure off. I am not trying to fleece the sheep. I know that things done in God's way will always result in God's blessing. And this is a free will giving. I don't want anybody to feel guilty. Some of you listen to me within the sound of my voice. I understand this. We've already told you this in the material that we gave out. This ain't about you giving to this campaign. So if you can't give to this campaign, man, you should not feel any different because God may not have led you to. But maybe God's asking you today to give for the first time ever toward the things of God. That is a step in faith. And that is to be celebrated. Amen. Amen. Church, wouldn't you be excited if, if, if a person who's never given anything just for the first time in their life said, I want to give something to the kingdom of God. Wouldn't that make you happy? Yeah. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, man, how, I, I wish I could give, but, but I got to get some things in line. And maybe just the Lord's challenging you today to just be faithful to start tithing. Just 10% of your income off the top, you just put in the plate as it comes around every week. And that would be an amazing step of being, moving forward in faith. And then maybe today there's some of you who give regularly. You give your tithe, but man, today God's just saying to you, what is it that you could give above and beyond that toward our forward in faith? 
And then there's going to be some people here today. Listen to me. I know this. There's just going to be some people in the sound of my voice that either it's already happened or it's going to happen to you. You're going to come into some money. It's just going to happen. This is the way God does these things. And maybe God's already told you, I need to give that. Can I promise you today that you're not giving to this church? You're giving through this church to the kingdom of God. And I believe with all my heart, there's there's something. I got some really, really good news. You've probably heard this before. The really good news is, is that God already has all the money to pay off this loan. The bad news is, some of us still have it in our wallet. And I just wonder today, would you just understand that even what's in your wallet is not yours? He's just asking, will you trust me? Will you move forward in faith? So maybe it is that you decided, you wrote down something on that commitment card and it's just not quite enough. Maybe the Lord's challenging you and you want to change that. That's great. We don't have to know. You just give it anyway. I know there's a question somebody's going to ask along the way. What if my brother wins the lottery? Are y'all going to take that filthy lucre? And I'll take it and make it and make it work. What if you found, you know, some money from a drug bust and it's legal and they told you to keep it? We gonna use that? Yeah, we use that too. Let's use it not the way God does it. Because God's about your heart. But as we get ready to sing the song, I surrender all. I think there's something else that I want to say to you from the bottom of my heart. The first thing that God probably wants you to give is related to your heart because it is your heart. Maybe you're here today and what the Lord's really asking you is, listen to me, I want you to know this. God's really asking you today, the first thing he wants you to give to him is your sin. See, God loves you so much that he knows, man, that the wages of sin is killing you. The carrying around your sin, man, it has such dire consequences. It's, it's guilt and it's condemnation and it's separation from him physically, but also spiritually. And there's just no connection with the creator because we've all sinned. And God says that he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to carry that around. He, he wants to be in relationship with you. She just says, hey, would you just give me your sin? Would you let me pay for it? Would you just trust me that that I loved you so much, that I want to be right with you so much, I want you to be right with me so much that I send Jesus to die on a cross. I gave the biggest offering the world has ever known in Jesus, and I gave him to, to die on a cross, to pay for your sin, to be buried and to be raised again. As proof that, that that was accepted, but then to give you forgiveness and eternal life, that's maybe what God is after today. So man, if you're feeling something in your heart right now and you know that you want to be right with God, you want to be forgiven, man, today's a great day to come give your heart to Jesus. Pastor, what do I do? Man, if that's happening in your heart, myself and Pastor Justin and some others will be down here. You just come grab us by the hand and say, man, today I want to give Jesus my sin and we'll we'll talk to you. 
Others of you, man, maybe you just want to come and pray about maybe what God wants you to give or that God would bless you the ability to give more. I don't really know, but I'm going to offer. I'm going to open this altar up. But folks, can, can I just tell you something that, that I've been struggling with for a long time? And this is for somebody in this room. I just have to tell you. People struggle with why do Baptists have public altar calls? And I'm just going to tell you, the theology of the Bible is simply this. Listen to me. When Jesus called people to follow him, he always did it publicly. We're people of the book. And so we're going to do things just the way Jesus did. That's why we do it. There's something that happens when you step out and you publicize. Nobody will know what you're talking about, but you just come. There's something spiritually that happens when you're finally surrendering. Because you could care less what people are thinking. Because you're more concerned with what he's thinking. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you, can I just encourage you? The people in this room are for you. They are so for you. If you only knew how for you they really were, you come down here. Please don't think a word. Anything you share here is completely confidential. Completely. And it's not always bad stuff that people are talking about here. Sometimes they come and say, hey, Pastor, I just want to say thank you just want to celebrate with you. Glad you're my pastor. It's not always stuff, right? So we can't judge. But Jeremy, let's sing. I'm going to pray. Let's see what God does. Would you stand? Lord, I'm thinking about these words, I surrender all. And somehow in my heart, I just want to pray and ask you that, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that, that our lives would truly reflect what we're singing that there would just be a renewed commitment among those at First Baptist to surrender it all. Because it really all belongs to you anyway. And I pray it in Jesus.